May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. The reading today is from uh, the Gospel of Luke, 24th chapter, verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two figures in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the two said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. But he has risen. Remember what Jesus told you while still in Galilee, that the chosen one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and that the chosen one must be, oh, sorry, uh, handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. Then they were reminded of Jesus' words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother of the Mary of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. Well, while Brennan cleans up his props, can I give that one more time? He is risen. risen Amen. And we have gathered. Yeah, you can do it. It's fine. It's fine. I know. we're, We're a little casual. It's fine. That's right, we have gathered here, like he said, almost three years since we've gathered here on Easter. Well, I remember that first Easter in quarantine. I stood here, well, right over there, actually, and I preached a message of faith in the midst of a mysterious and deadly catastrophe which had engulfed our world. Our world had been shut down. Our routines had been disrupted. Even the simple act of going to the grocery store felt unsafe, deadly. Three weeks to flatten the curve, they said. Y'all remember that? Three weeks, and for the past two years, three years, we've found new routines, new ways of staying in touch and going about our lives. Now, early on, there was a lot of talk. Was this going to change everything? How long do we have to wait until we get back to normal? Can we get back to normal? And now, as we start to imagine a post-pandemic world, has much changed? Sure, we wear masks as a common practice. We live stream and Zoom more frequently. But we mostly carry on. 
We have the same jobs, maybe, or a different job. Similar living situation. And you know, I see this dynamic in our scripture today. For the women mentioned, their world had fallen apart. Jesus, the man who said, give up everything and follow me, was dead. The oppressive empire was hardly shaken. Business hardly disrupted. Back to pre-Jesus routines. These women gave up everything in faith for a better world to come. And then, in a day, it was gone. They returned to their roots. Their faith tradition offered a way forward. Tend to your dead with spices and wraps. That was the custom they grew up with. The world they had imagined, where tyrants were cast down and the lowly uplifted, was it all a dream? A lie? How foolish to put their faith in love, stopping an empire. Well, they were well-versed in what to do next when the empire brutalized someone they loved. Care for their dead. Enact the faith customs which help those in mourning move on. Even from the man who said he knew better. Their world fell apart, yet they stayed committed to their faith. And to be clear, this was not a Christian faith. This was the Jewish faith of the time. We know that Jesus and his early apostles were all Jewish. They could have thrown up their hands declared that their faith was foolish and abandoned all their commitments. Seek to back the winner. Integrate into the empire. Play by empire rules of dominance, manipulation. Subjugate others to claw their way ahead. Pray only to the regional gods and, of course, Caesar. Instead, they bought and brought spices and cloth to wrap him. And in doing so, were blessed with a miraculous sight, one that would start a chain of events rippling out into the future until today, where we still gather and proclaim his having risen. And after four years of serving this community, I know that many here, struggle to accept the miraculous notion of bodily resurrection. And yet, we're here today, wrestling in faith to hold on to hope that death is not the end, that violence will not rule the day. Amen. Beloved, I stand before you as a testament to the power of faith in the midst of catastrophe. Before the pandemic, in the before times, as I've taken to calling them, I confess my prayer life was reserved for work. Mm -hmm. I had a very limited personal prayer life. 
My faith in a God who moves with the world yet does not grant wishes made me uncertain about the necessity of personal prayer. When the world fell apart, I questioned everything about myself, about my call to ministry. Why am I driving 20 minutes to a building alone to light a candle and say some words by myself? What good is any of this really doing? Well, I decided in that moment to double down on my faith. I began saying the prayer of Jesus every night before bed, the one that we will say together later, not because I wanted to be good or do the right thing, the thing I was supposed to do, or show off how faithful I was to get some godly treats for being so good. I did it because I was scared, because I had no way to protect my family, my community, or even myself. And in that budding prayer practice, the words of C.S. Lewis came to me. He said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time. Waking and sleeping, it doesn't change God. It changes me. And with my nightly prayers, my anxiety, my fear, the thoughts and scenarios running through my head softened. I was able to release them and new thoughts replaced, ones of my youth, when I learned, when I first learned to pray. My early faith communities and the sacred routines that we had, and of this community, the blessings that I had felt in my first two years of ordained ministry here in this place. I thought of the relationships I missed. And I was changed. And I slept. And awoke to light the candle and pray alone again. Amid the catastrophe of our day. And as the days turned to weeks, turned to months, turned to years, every week our worship team would gather virtually to discuss how to worship this coming Sunday. What are we going to do? David learned new video editing skills. Will sought out new pianos and organs to record on. Brennan and I fussed with the best things to stack up so that you could aim your camera phone at you to record a sermon. Because this was back before having professional audio-video experience was required for ministry. And yes, it was our job to do so. But obligation was no longer the driving force. It was a personal commitment to our faith. Faith that our community, all of us, which brings so much life and love into the world, 
through our community kitchen projects, I'm sure that's going to bring them up, through our sanctuary projects, through all of our giving, and just being that loving, caring, compassionate beacon in the world. That dedication. Faith in our community which would weather this catastrophe. And we would see an end to it. So we kept the chairs from getting dust on them. We cleared the cobwebs out of corners of the sanctuary, changed out candles, set up, took down recording equipment, and maintained this holy ground alone, but with faith that our community would gather here again. Here you are. Beloved, two years is a long time to maintain such a large space that few others are using. But that faith practice changed me, the faith that our community is maintained by something bigger than any of us. That ancient faith that has brought us to where we are today, missing many of our beloved still, yet still here, still singing our alleluias. And as one catastrophe wanes, many more are flaring up. Our journey through Lent explored the trials of our time and how we live amid the challenges. There are representations of the nothingness of creation and the death and decay of the Lenten journey. If you missed any of those, I encourage you, find our podcast and catch up. Because our faith is not pie-in-the-sky escapism and wishful thinking. It is challenging to live committed to compassion and yet still move through this moment in time. It means recognizing global warfare, ecological decline, youth violence, political corruption amid the celebration our tradition is used to holding on this day. Yet our faith refuses to let the catastrophes of the world have the last say. Joy springs up in the midst of a cold and challenging landscape, like the flowers on this table spring amid the remembrances of the challenges and blessings we found through the cold season of Lent. One cold season which doesn't seem to want to go away. And yet we gather and sing our alleluias in faith. It is not foolish or ignorant to sing alleluias on this day or proclaim he is risen without any proof. Doing so is enacting our faith and our commitment to it. Our commitment to joy amid the disappointment that so all of our banners didn't get put up in the rafters. Our commitment to hope even though our youth aren't selling flowers out front like they once did. Our commitment to God even though we wrestle with doubt. We are still feeling the effects of these last years. Yet we gather for this celebratory worship service proclaiming our faith in the unbelievable. 
that death will not get the final word. Moments from now, we will even bear witness to a resurrection of sorts in the form of an offering from our newly reformed sanctuary choir. And it is acting and speaking in faith which got us to this very moment. Faith that can carry us through when we don't see a way. Especially when we don't see a way. That's where our faith traditions fill in those gaps and help us to the next moment when we're celebrating again. Our faithful efforts in the darkness of isolation and fear are not in vain. Others might not believe us. Even we might not believe it's worth doing sometimes. I mean, even of the apostles. It was only Peter that believed the women's report. But we are called to keep on, one day at a time, one ritual or remembrance at a time. It is not a waste to continue the practices that carried us through simpler times. We need them now more than ever. Without them, we may never bear witness to a miracle, one which will transform our world in ways we may never know or see. But with faith, we may be the catalyst. May God's peace reach our own hearts this day to soften them, fill them with joy, and allow for the comforting presence of God's truth to enter our spirits and release the fear of death. For he has risen. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.